Quite a few years ago, uh, Joe and I hosted a friend's wedding reception at our house. At that stage, all three children lived at home. So that meant four out of five people were very messy. And the house was always in a mess. I remember the morning of the big day, uh, nerves were getting a little testy. As the house didn't seem to be getting any tidier at any great rate. Well, just as I thought Joe was going to explode, all of a sudden... The house was tidy. It was a miracle. Beds were made, clean dishes disappeared, washing disappeared, the messy lounge room disappeared, the family room, all gone. What just happened? I later discovered that things were just scooped up, put in cupboards, Washing, along with books, coffee cups and all other sorts of things, were put on beds and covered with dunas. (laughs) Dirty washing was dumped in cupboards and locked. Unbelievable. In five minutes, five minutes. This is why I sent the kids out, by the way. (laughs) Don't want them to hear this bit. In five minutes, the house went from a bomb site to all tidy. It was amazing what the kids could do when they put their mind to it. By the time the doorbell rang and the people first started dropping things off, the house looked perfect. Well, that's well and good for a house. But you can't clean up the direction of your whole life, of a whole culture, within a few minutes, nor by shoving the mess under a doona. That is what this passage is about. But this passage is often applied in two different kinds of events, neither of which I'm 100% sure Jesus had in mind. Firstly, most readers have read this passage as a warning to Christians to be ready for the second coming of Jesus. This passage obviously goes hand in hand with other passages. We see the coming of the Son of Man not as his vindication his exaltation to heaven, but his return to earth. And since none of us know the time or the place, it is vital that all Christians should be ready all the time. On the other hand, other readers have seen here the warning for Christians to be ready for their own death. It is seen as a warning that we should be we should be and need to be ready to take the step into the great unknown whenever it is asked of us. That is one of many reasons the idea of keeping a short account with God, regular attendance to worship, prayer, reading of scriptures, self-examination and Christian obedience matters as much as it does. You can read the passage either of these two ways or In fact, both. The voices of God through scripture can be heard even in ways that the original writer didn't imagine. But we also need to be careful. We still need to be careful of what it did mean. Otherwise, we can fall in the trap of making scripture prove all things, all kinds of things, 
which it wasn't certainly meant to. So it is vital that we look at Scripture as it, as it would have been heard by Matthew's first audience, which would seem to indicate that we are back at the great crisis that was going to sweep over Jerusalem and the surrounding area at some date in some unknown future. We, of course, know it happened in 70 AD at the climax of the war between Rome and Judea. Something was going to happen. Something that would devastate lives, families, whole communities. Something both frightening and terrible at the same time. It was to be the coming of the Son of Man. The royal appearance of Jesus himself. The point of this passage comes in three stages. Firstly, nobody, nobody knows exactly when this will be. Not even the angels, the ones that announced his birth, as we'll hear at Christmas, the ones that sang of his arrival, his pending arrival, they don't know. Only that it's, we only know, as it said in verse 34 a little bit earlier, that it will happen within a generation. Secondly, life will go on normal right up to the last minute. That is the point of the parallel with the time of Noah. Until it started raining, raining, until the flood came and swept everything away, ordinary life was carrying on. It was carried on as if nothing unusual was going to happen. And finally, it will divide families and workers colleagues and it will divide them down the middle one will be taken, one will be left I do want to point out here, this does not mean a person will be taken away by God in some kind of rapture moment it's not what this passage is saying although plenty have decided to use it that way no, people won't be taken away in a rapture moment and others won't be left behind, it's not as though you'll be left behind in fact, actually it's quite the contrary. When invading forces sweep through towns and villages, it is more likely that they will take off, um, take people off and put them to death while those left behind will be left untouched. What Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples, who I think at this stage must have been completely bemused and puzzled by what, where Jesus was heading with this, is that the result is that they must stay alert. They must stay awake. You know, it's a bit like, it's a bit like that WorkSafe ad on the TV. Have you seen that WorkSafe ad on TV? You know, when the guy, you know, they, they're worried about the WorkSafe, WorkSafe inspector coming along and there's a ring on the doorbell and he goes, oh, no, he opens the door and he goes, oh, thank goodness. I thought you were the WorkSafe inspector, only to hear the voice from behind no, but I am. You know, that must be, it's a bit like that. It's a bit like that ad. The warning in this reading is primarily directed to the dire situation 
that first century Christians are going to find themselves after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, but prior to the temple being demolished. But they also ring true right down through history to our day. Our role is to be prepared for Jesus' return. We can do this in part by watching for Jesus in the people in our neighbourhood, for our enemies, for the poor, and in the person who desperately needs to hear the gospel. As disciples, we prepare our lives and and live under the complicated assumption that everything is fine and dandy. Rather, with the sure and certain hope that despite all appearances to the contrary, that Christ is Lord of past, present and future and that he will most certainly come again. Oregon, in the the second century theologian, once said, in a sense, the end of the world has already come for the person to whom the world is crucified. And to the person who is dead to the worldly things, the day of the Lord has already arrived. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be baptised into his death, to live with the reality of the resurrected life, to die to the things of the world and to live in the light of Christ's glory, dying to the selfish desires of self and the laws of this world is exceedingly difficult. Indeed, this kind of dying is not something we can do through our own strengths. However, through Christ, all things are possible, including dying to self. This is exactly why the sense of Christ's calling to us to keep alert and is in fixing our eyes on him the author and finisher of our salvation, that we will have the strength to stay awake, prepare ourselves for his coming. Christ may not return in my lifetime or in your lifetime, not even in the lifetime of my children or grandchildren. Nevertheless, even if he doesn't, you and I will still meet him face to face on our deaths. Therefore, as his disciples, we should spend our lives preparing to meet him. Not with dread, not with dread or uncertainty, but with with joyful and hopeful anticipation. Joy and hope. Joy and hope are contagious. They bubble out, impacting everybody within its reach. As a church, joy and hope should be the centre of our lives both corporately and individually. With joy and hope, sorry, when joy and hope are the centres, neither anxiety or apathy can gain a foothold. Joy and hope are gifts God gives to us to help us prepare for Christ's coming again. This Advent, this Advent, I want you to think And I want to invite you to reclaim that sense of joy 
and hope. The joy and hope of Christ and to put them at the centre of your life so that you may put on the Lord Jesus Christ and share his love with the world in anticipation of his coming again. In Jesus' name, amen.